0: Welcome back to I love you. I know I'm Amanda and I'm Kevin and this is our podcast about love marriage and Star Wars But mostly it's about Star Wars Kevin you said last time we were going to talk about the Clone Wars So why don't you introduce our listeners to what the Clone Wars were?
1: Okay, so the Clone Wars as we you know sort of started at the very end of episode two Which is the last movie that we talked about when Yoda
0: uh, says begun the Clone Wars has
1: yes The Clone War basically takes place between the Galactic Republic fought by the Jedi leading a clone army and the Separatists, um, which are led by Count Dooku and General Grievous and are fought by a, a mixed army of droids from the Trade Federation and the Geonosians and the Techno Union Army and a whole bunch of people who, for some reason, have their own droid armies.
0: Okay, so when is this?
1: So this takes place... Over about a three-year period between um, episodes two and three in the movies and sort of about 25 years before the Battle of Yavin.
0: Okay, okay. And so we, we know what it is, we know when it is, we know who's involved... Uh, where this spans across the entire galaxy and beyond to the outer rims.
1: Yeah, basically, it, most of the fighting takes place in like middle rim and outer rim systems. But every once in a while, the battles move in coreward, and occasionally there. Are, I think there are two or three battles on Coruscant throughout the the course of the war. So it's a pretty wide ranging war. There's a lot of a lot of different territories, and it lets us bring in a whole bunch of planets that are either loosely talked about in Star Wars lore, or um, you know, even some um, parts of the legends canon became um a uh, true canon when a battle took place on their planet
0: gotcha so the overall theme we've got this civil war we've got the galactic republic versus the separatists and we have the introduction of new characters we have uh what is currently on disney plus is six seasons it originally started on disney xd and we're awaiting ep- uh, season seven coming out uh In the next few days and you said it'll be done incrementally
1: yeah so the the original show was aired on Disney XD five seasons and then what shows on Disney plus is season six was actually a collection called the lost episodes that were never aired on broadcast TV but were only ever released digitally and I think season six has some of the most interesting episodes in the whole show so it was pretty amazing that those were never really part of the uh, the original set Um, But the show ended a little bit before it was intended to. um, And some of the plot lines got cut off sort of in the middle. And so they've decided to do a seventh season. It's releasing serially one episode a week, um, starting on February 21st. And so I am very excited. The previews have been amazing. And in fact, one of the scenes, and this is not a spoiler because it's in the preview and I can't spoil it because I haven't seen the show yet.
0: But I haven't seen all of the seasons leading up to it.
1: Right. And this is not a spoiler to someone who hasn't seen those either. Okay. Um, The original actor who played um, Darth Maul, has come back to do a lightsaber sequence in a motion capture suit that they then digitized into the show because he was such a good swordsman, they couldn't animate the sequence they wanted to do properly, and they had to motion capture him to kid it.
0: That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that's pretty awesome.
0: All right, so we got this cartoon show that's, you know, dozens of episodes. Apparently not good enough to have been released to the theaters, or maybe low production, so it wouldn't have been as successful in the theaters. But why should adults watch the show instead of dismissing it as a show for eight-year-olds?
1: Uh, because it's not a show for eight-year-olds. It is. Um, there are a few episodes that are a little bit juvenile, and in the pilot, you st- you kind of you get a little flavor of that. But quickly by season two, it starts to take on some pretty heavy themes um and i mean this is a this is basically a show about war it's a show about the fall of a civilization it's the show about like people losing their way morally and there are just some like there are some tough decisions that are made that are not for children um and you know like people are dying critters are dying like a lot of a lot of relationships are made and broken and um, it really probably by the middle of it it took on a life that was not intended for children contrast this with the show resistance which i really don't like very much that was intended for and remains intended for children a um, little bit less interesting show
0: okay so now we, we kind of hit the overarching theme now let's get into what it is so for those of you who've not seen the clone wars i am most of the way through season two i've seen most of the story arcs that kevin's referencing but i haven't seen them chronologically i am working on that i've been assigned homework to get myself together in order to be prepared for when the episode drops next friday because kevin doesn't want to wait uh just a little glimpse into our marriage and the types of discussions slash fights we may occasionally have.
1: I wouldn't go so far as a fight but you've got five days.
0: I've got five days. I've got five days and three seasons.
1: Yes but you also have a lot of time on airplanes coming up so.
0: It's a two and a half hour flight. I don't know if I can do it okay. but we we digress. So uh, we, we begin with the show and it's actually really cool. Um, every episode starts with a little. Uh, wise saying that suggests that there's some kind of lesson to be learned from that show and these lessons are intense Um, and the characters within the show they wind up learning these lessons typically the hard way so the the show begins actually with a two-hour long movie really before we go into season one
1: yeah that's right Um, the pilot is yeah is basically a feature-length movie Uh, That introduces us to some of the concepts, some of the characters, introduces us to a new main character, um, and takes us through, um, you know, sort of a a pretty long plot that touches on a whole bunch of the different elements of the show, including the war itself, um, you know, some of the conflicts within, and then also sort of the politics and the. Uh, groups that are going to be involved that d- are not just the Galactic Republic and the separatists.
0: All right, so who are we meeting?
1: So we're meeting so the basically the the pilot opens on uh, the first battle of Christophsis, which is more or less a standard battle between um, the clone armies led by generals uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker the Jedi are now generals over the clone army and their combined army are fighting a large contingent of droid of droids And they're basically pinned down and awaiting reinforcements and their communications are disrupted and the uh, one shuttle breaks through the space blockade and drops off somebody who is to tell them first of all that reinforcements are on their way and second of all that she's been assigned to be a new Padawan to one of them
0: all right and so who is this that we meet this new Padawan
1: so we meet Ahsoka Tano And Ahsoka becomes uh, Anakin's Padawan. And it's a kind of a funny sequence because, you know, they hear that a new Padawan is on the shuttle. Um, They assume that it's Obi-Wan's because Anakin doesn't want to have some like kid dragging him down.
0: Also, Anakin's not really proven himself to be the kind of guy people would refer to as master. Let's be honest.
1: This is also true. But um, but Yoda basically makes the decision to send him a Padawan. And she's very young for a Padawan. They, when they first identify her as a youngling, which is sort of the rank before Padawan. But she's very young, but she's very capable. And Yoda has made this decision to send her to be trained by Anakin in an attempt to sort of... Um, maybe teach him some patience
0: i i think that's very true I, I think perhaps anakin got very comfortable with obi-wan and obi-wan got very comfortable with anakin and that the training between master and padawan between the two of them was really kind of slowing down and sometimes in order to move forward you need to go back to where you started and i think that this is a good way Possibly Um, for Anakin to move forward in his career and progression as a Jedi in order to go back to where it all begins, which is teaching someone new.
1: Yeah. And Ahsoka, you know, she is very young and inexperienced. She immediately jumps into the battle. She uh, tries to give orders to one of um, Anakin's uh, clone commanders. Uh, His name is Rex. And he kind of he kind of laughs her off and she says, well, as a Jedi, don't I outrank you? And he says, experience outranks everything and then sort of laughs off her orders, which turn out to be wrong. Um, But she becomes one. She is. Ahsoka is one of my favorite characters. She continues to emerge. She grows up. um, She she pops up in a few other different places. And I'm very excited to see uh, where her story goes as they develop more Star Wars content.
0: Right. And. She's got a nickname. Anakin calls her Snips. Why is that?
1: Because she's kind of snippy.
0: That That's very true. She and, really is snippy. But he kind of needs it. He, he needs that balance.
1: He does. And like, and she, yeah, she kind of, because uh, she calls him out on his like crazy plans and she calls him out on some of his stuff. And she's a really good foil for him and somebody to sort of check some of his arrogance. She does for about two and a half episodes call him Sky Guy. And then I think the writers realized that that just wasn't landing and they stopped doing it because she never does it again after like episode three.
0: Yeah, that was a terrible nickname. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to go through the rundown of the main characters that we wind up meeting throughout the show. Uh, we've got the Jedi. So for a thousand years, they've been the keepers of the peace, and then they've been thrown in to be the generals of the clone army. So we've got their clones. We've got the Sith lords. Um, we know that there are two. We we know that it's uh, Palpatine, Darth Sidious, and we know that it is Dooku, uh, Darth Tyrannis. Um, we've got the Separatists, who are kind of led by Dooku. We've got the clones that are led by the Galactic Republic and the Jedi. But we've also got some other characters that kind of pop in and out around here. We've got bounty hunters. We've got pirates because it's war. I mean, I guess you could call them privateers. Um, we've got droids. We've got Mandalorians. Uh, who else am I forgetting, Kevin?
1: So don't forget the Night Sisters. Oh yeah. Yeah, the Knight Sisters are um, are a really cool group, and I think we'll talk about them in in another episode. They have uh, a whole story arc that spans you know three or four of the seasons. Um, that's that's pretty interesting. And um, I guess there's one other kind of main character that, or or a a side recurring character, Asajj Ventress.
0: All right, that's a really good point. And uh, now that I've finished my uh, assigned reading on Darth Bane and I believe you've given me further assigned reading on Darth Plagueis, uh, which I don't know when I'm going to do if I'm supposed to watch all these episodes of The Clone Wars, but here we are. Um, So in order, the rule of two in the sith is that you've got the master who has the power and you've got the apprentice who craves the power so We've got Darth Sidious, or Palpatine, who's the master with all the power. And we've got Dooku, who's the apprentice, uh, Darth Tyrannus, who's craving the power. And in order for him to overthrow his master, he's got to have a backup and plan. So is, is that Ventress?
1: Yeah, so Ventress is a Force-sensitive woman. She is the apprentice and the chief assassin for uh, Count Dooku. She is a sister. Um, which we, we find out is, is sort of ties those story arcs together. Um, and she is a she's a really interesting. She's you know she's a pretty much your quintessential uh, Sith assassin. She's stealthy. She mostly runs away rather than stands firm in a fight. She definitely does not like uh, Kenobi and Anakin. And she fights with two um, red curved hilt lightsabers, which is a very unusual lightsaber style, and it gives a, it gives our heroes a lot of trouble
0: right so but now we essentially have three sith so this is going to be problematic during the storyline
1: yes eventually that that sort of comes to a head when when sidious discovers her existence because dooku for a lot of good reasons kind of keeps her quiet and uses her to um you know satisfy his own plots but he doesn't really include her in a lot of sidious's plots and when darth sidious finds out about her Things get, there's a little friction.
0: Right, right, because Sidious wants to hold on to his power. I mean, in theory, he's supposed to relinquish his power when he's no longer the most formidable of the Sith, but we'll get into that in another time. Yep. So we talked about who it is. We talked about when. We talked about uh, where and how. How did the Clone Wars come to be? This is essentially Palpatine wielding everything. This major theme that uh, Palpatine's plots. Dude has this, like complex level game of chess going on that exceeds any game of chess I've ever heard of.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, we talked at the end of the last episode where I sort of laid out all of the different steps that it took to start this war. And throughout the show, what we see him interacting with the Galactic Senate and with the Jedi to continue the war Because the more the longer the war goes on, the more individual power he amasses in the Republic. And so what we see him doing is he's got this continued plan because he sort of controls Dooku and therefore controls the separatists. He can feed intelligence to them to tell them where and when to attack. He can manipulate the Senate into ordering more clones to be to be manufactured. He, um, you know, he sometimes leaks information about the separatists to the Republic to kind of keep the war going. But he always makes sure that it's at a stalemate so that the longer the war goes on, the more power he can have and the longer people get used to him being in charge of everything. So it's very clever. And then as like sort of a side plot, he is the most opportunistic guy in the galaxy, right? Anytime something happens that may or may not affect his plans, he manages to set up these sort of win-win scenarios for himself.
0: Completely agree. The, the way I think of Palpatine is he's basically a guy sitting next to a scale, um, you know, kind of like the scales of justice where you've got the, the plates on either side. And he's got a series of rocks in which he keeps putting on either side. And every time it starts getting too heavy on one side, he starts balancing the other side. But the scales are reliant upon him. If it wasn't for him putting the weights on it, the scales would get out of whack. And so he's in complete control of the situation. And when someone knocks some rocks off, he immediately figures a way to balance it back out.
1: That's right. And his probably, you know, strangely, his number one nemesis in all of this is Padme Amidala, right? I mean, the Jedi are not particularly great at uh, their side of this
0: yeah i think that's an important other theme that we see in the clone wars is that as i mentioned the jedi went from being the keepers of the peace to generals of the clone army but they were pretty good as keepers of the peace and they're not very good at generals and their attention is diverted to become generals that essentially they are not paying attention to what's going on around them they're not mindful of the sith plot and granted the sith plot is you know, covered and shrouded in deception and secrecy, but really like they, they really don't pay attention to it. Whereas I think you're right. Amidala, she tends to be the one who is aware of it because she's not being pulled in those separate directions.
1: Yeah. So, and she basically leads a group that are the sort of the anti-war group in the Senate. So she continuously tries to use what power is left in the Senate to stop the production of more clones, increase diplomacy, try to meet with the separatist systems and work out their, their grievances. And she really, every once in a while, she comes pretty close. She gives stirring speeches on the Senate floor. And every time she gets close to sort of stopping the war, Palpatine has to, has to manufacture an incident to uh, defeat her move, you know her motions and things, which at the same time they're pretty close because they're both from Nabu, and so she has fairly direct access to him in his role as chancellor, and so they spend a lot of time together. And he has to really walk this tightrope of you know agreeing with her in her presence and then undermining her behind her back without her finding out. And she's a pretty shrewd politician, and so it just it's really a testament to his skill as. Um, a Sith Lord and a devious guy that that he's able to defeat her and everybody else at the same time because she's pretty good at it.
0: She she really is. And I think that um, he recognizes how good she is, which is why he occasionally comes up with adventures to send her far away from Coruscant to kind of throw her off the path. And I, I think that you know, if I was planning this intergalactic takeover... And I had two or three people that were possibly on to me. Yeah, I don't want them right next to me all the time.
1: That's right. Yep.
0: So one of the other things that, you know, I think I really struggled with when I saw episode two and then eventually episode three was, spoiler alert on episode three, Anakin uh, very quickly pledges his allegiance to Palpatine or Sidious. And it just, it, it doesn't make any sense. He goes from like, i i I must bring you in for questioning and you need to go to trial because you're a bad guy too he's on one bended knee saying i swear my undying loyalty to you you know my new master and i'll do whatever ridiculous thing you come up with for me and that doesn't make any sense because we like literally ended episode two where he's a jedi you know being mostly respectful to the jedi council so now we understand what happens there's a little over three years between uh, end of episode two and when he gets down on bended knee and, and swears his allegiance. So this is how we see Anakin's fall.
1: Yeah, and and that's really, I mean, when it comes down to it, the reason that they made this show is that a lot of people felt that there was a big gap there in the story, and they built this show around sort of Anakin's fall from from being a full-on light side Jedi to having the potential to join the dark side and then eventually lose trust in the Jedi Council, lose trust in the Senate, lose trust in the Republic, and agree to uh, join Palpatine and form the Empire and defeat the Jedi. And we see this through just a series of, of various different things that happen where you know the Jedi, um, as we talked about um, some of Obi-Wan Kenobi's dealings in episode two, the ethics of the Jedi are not necessarily what you would want them to be. Um, the way that they handle certain situations. Or w-
0: don't handle, I think, is important.
1: Right. And they don't handle some situations, and then they they overthink some other things, and they don't address things that are important. And then we also see that Anakin is impulsive, and but most importantly, he will do whatever it takes to win. And winning is sort of his number one objective. And so when he sees that the Jedi Council and that the Senate Um, are not able to win all the time, he starts to lose faith in them.
0: Right. So pretty much the last time that the Jedi had someone like this was a thousand years ago. They had a Jedi Hoth who was leading the war, the Jedi against the Sith. And he was so focused on winning. he, He really lost focus of the actual goal. He put too many Jedi lives at risk. He put too many civilian lives at risk. He spent too much money. And eventually it led to the not downfall of the Jedi, but a shift in position slash ignorance of the Jedi, um, annihilation of the Sith but for two, and then here we are a thousand years later, the rule of two allowed the Sith to come to power.
1: That's right. And would you agree that, you know, at the end of his life Lord um or they called him Lord Hoth, but General Hoth, um, was Touching on the dark side a little bit.
0: Oh, absolutely. There's such a fine line between doing what's right and doing what's wrong when your focus is purely just to win.
1: Yeah. And so that's sort of where Anakin's at, where he makes some pretty questionable decisions. Um, The only thing that he won't do is sacrifice the lives lives of his troops unnecessarily
0: right right and and that's another theme that we have in this is that we've got these clones so the theme of clones is people they all came from Django fett and so what's really funny is like half the characters on the show all sound and look the same but they like dye their hair differently or cut their hair differently or um there was one episode we recently watched where one of those um clones decided he wanted to be an individual and he ran off and he had like a wife and kids but the timeline doesn't 100% make sense because his kids are like four and six years old so but neither here nor there you know for the most part the clones as people we've got millions of them would you say
1: yeah i mean the initial order is a million clones and you have to believe that they continue to produce them at a at a pretty fast rate so yeah there are a lot of clones and what we see is when the clones are together they give themselves names they refer to each other as individuals, and they call themselves brothers. Um, and what you see is a really interesting way that various different factions look at the clones. The clones themselves want to believe that they're individuals. The Jedi kind of see them as individuals for the few that they get to know really well, and then the rest of them are just kind of cannon fodder, to be honest. Yikes. Um, and then the, the Galactic Senate and you know, sort of the ruling class just see them as manufactured units.
0: Which kind of goes back to the ethics of the galactic empire or republic that we've talked about before is that there's an overall disconcerting acceptance of slavery. Um, And so the fact that they've actually created humans instead of just building droids. I I mean, the separatists are using droids. I don't entirely understand why the uh, republic is using humans, using clones, but that's what we've got. Um, And so, you know, we've got the, the senate like you said they they don't view them as really anything other than cannon fodder and now we've got the senate that doesn't view life with the same value that maybe it should they've been accepting of slavery uh individual senators and um, star systems are more interested in power or money and so we watch the Senate really fall. The, the corruption in the Senate—you know—we've gotten glimpses of it, but now we, we're really starting to just see how broken it truly is. And that just is opportunity for Palpatine.
1: Yeah, and some of that is is stuff that he drives, right? He has some influence both through the dark side of the Force and then through you know his dealings and information and money and everything else to um, uh, you know influence a lot of the senators. But he also, um, yeah, he takes advantage of corruption, the desire to make money. I mean, one good example is that um, the planet Camino, which is where the, clone, where the clones are being manufactured, was not a part of the Galactic Republic when uh, we first meet them. But through their successful del- delivery of the clone army, they lobby to get a, a seat in the Senate. And they become voting members of the Senate, which of course then they lobby and vote to create more clones to line their more own. Money. Yeah, it's to yeah. line their own pockets. Like it seems like a fairly obvious thing, right? And that was something that Palpatine allowed as a reward for their service to the Republic. Um, and it just shows how how corrupt the Senate is.
0: Yeah, and and so kind of the the last theme is you know we've touched on it a few times, but the Jedi's in action to the Sith, uh, the number of times where. It, It's animated side eye or an eyebrow raise from either Yoda or Obi-Wan or Mace Windu or whomever on the Jedi Council. They're just like raising their eye kind of going, hmm, that's weird. But they never talk about it. They never like do anything about it. They're just like, I'm going to meditate on this weirdness and see what comes of it. It's like, I'm not saying jump into action don't be completely impulsive but the fact that they're just gonna let this keep going on and like if If I kept giving you the side eye for three years, but I stuck around for year four, well, I mean, what's happening?
1: Right. Yeah. Shame. That would be shame on you and shame on them. Yeah, it's really interesting because they keep seeing Palpatine do these things that seem a little bit out of the ordinary. And it seems like they just write it off as like, that must be what politics is. And they don't really get into investigating him or trying to figure out what his dealings are. It seems like it would be a relatively easy thing for them to... To you know, either track him or you know read his email or something like that, and find out that he's the guy who's controlling both sides of this thing. But they they sort of turned a blind eye to it and just continue fighting the war. And it's it's really disappointing, and it basically ultimately leads to their downfall.
0: Exactly, their ignorance was not bliss; it was their
1: destruction. Yes, it is
0: all right so let's get into relationships because this is a a podcast about relationships sometimes but mostly star wars uh kevin um i don't know what you meant when you wrote this down in the uh outline here but anakin's not the only one tell me what you meant by that tell our listeners you guys can't see his eyeballs moving around he doesn't remember that's funny i'm gonna move on to the thing that i remember Um, is that we see this unusual father-brother-son relationship between Anakin and his uh, mentor Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like sometimes it's a father-son thing, sometimes it's brothers, um, sometimes they're competitors. Um, And I, I think that that is a very interesting relationship between Master and Padawan. And then we see how Anakin kind of replicates that similar confusing relationship with his own Padawan.
1: Yeah, and and I, yeah, I agree with that. I think that his uh his relationship with Obi-Wan is is complicated at best. Um and because that's the way he learned that, you know, that sort of um master-padawan relationship, that's how he treats Ahsoka, and as a result, Ahsoka acts a lot like him. She's somewhat impulsive. She doesn't always follow his orders. She sometimes runs off and does what she thinks is right. And a good amount of the time it works, and um, as often as not, it doesn't, but they manage to get themselves out of the mess anyway. Um, and that's sort of how Anakin operates relative to uh, Obi-Wan, who takes a little bit more conservative approach to most of his battles and you know his dealings with the Separatists, but also takes his fair share of risks as well.
0: Right, and one of the other things that we see in the relationship aspect in the Clone Wars is that attachment has attachment is something that we didn't think jedi were allowed to do um and so we see that obi-wan has this relationship with um what what is she a governor or princess she's the duchess, the duchess of mandalore duchess of mandalore that there was a brief period where uh, obi-wan was maybe sowing some wild oats and had a relationship with her and you know that kind of comes to light down the road and anakin calls him out on that and it's interesting because now now this makes sense what you wrote down kevin we see that anakin is not the only one who's formed an attachment that he wasn't supposed to have formed anakin's a guy who married his attachment and obi-wan didn't but tell us about that
1: yeah so i mean Obi-Wan actually, in one episode, tells the Duchess that he would have left the Jedi Order for her if she had asked him to. Um, So they clearly had a pretty strong relationship, and that does um, affect the way that he deals with the Mandalorians, and clearly the Jedi Council doesn't know about it because um, they send him to do some diplomatic work on Mandalore and don't seem to have really any idea. Um, Evidently, it all started at some time outside of the scope of the show when he was a little bit younger with um, qui-gon with qui-gon yeah so qui-gon and obi-wan were assigned to be basically bodyguards for um the duchess of mandalore during at least
0: 10 to 12 years ago
1: yes so during some sort of time of turmoil on mandalore and obi-wan ended up spending a lot of one-on-one time with her not dissimilar to the way that obi-wan and anakin end up being the bodyguards of padme and they get separated and he spends time, Anakin spends a lot of time with Padme. So it's, a, it's an interesting story parallel. But yeah, at some point, Anakin figures it out, kind of calls Obi-Wan on it. And Obi-Wan basically says, yeah, I, you know, I felt that way, but I chose to remain with the Jedi and, and the relationship. And that's sort of uh, an interesting parallel view into what could have been with Anakin and Padme. Had he resisted that attachment, he probably would have ended up in a different place.
0: Right. And let's remember that we ended uh, episode two, Attack of the Clones, with Anakin and Padme getting married. And now he's basically sent into battle. They hardly ever see each other except occasionally on Coruscant. Uh, So their marriage is very strained. And every time that they interact, it, it seems fairly contentious.
1: Well, right, because Anakin is a general in the war that Padme is trying to stop in the Senate, and Anakin is not only a general, but he's a willing and um, able general, and he, in a way, enjoys the war, and he really wants to win, and he wants to defeat the Separatists. So every every once in a while, when he's back on Coruscant and they're talking about the politics of continuing the war and ending the war, she wants to halt the halt the violence and move to a diplomatic solution, and he wants to go find the Separatist army and crush them. And that leads to a lot of uh, friction in their relationship, which, of course, Palpatine notices and exploits to just sort of get their ire up, both to defeat Padme politically and also to continue to sort of nudge Anakin down the path to the dark side.
0: Right, right. So the, the last thing we notice is the relationship between Anakin and the other Jedi. It, it seems that, you know, Qui-Gon, when he picked him up on Tatooine many years ago, kind of, you know, broke the rules, indulged this little boy and brought him on. And then now... Obi-Wan has him and their relationship is, you know, father, son, brothers, Master Padawan. They're both rule breakers themselves. But how does Anakin fit in with the other Jedi, with, with uh, Yoda or Windu?
1: Yeah, not particularly well. I mean, he questions their judgment quite a bit. And uh, he's known as sort of a renegade in, you know, in battle and everything. And even his own troops kind of behind his back make make little comments. But, you know, there's a really good sequence where um, Anakin has to spend some time with Mace Windu. Obi-Wan's off doing something else. I don't remember what. And he is not particularly respectful of Mace Windu, but Mace doesn't put up with his stuff the way that uh, Obi-Wan does. And so he is very firm in giving him orders. He's very firm in telling him what to do. He, um, you know, he kind of, he he uh, scolds him quite a bit. Um, now, Mace is right in every case. So, you know, that's true. Um, Anakin is fairly deferential to Yoda um, because I think he does recognize his wisdom and his power. And, um, you know, really Yoda doesn't, uh, directly challenge him yoda doesn't spend a lot of time out on the front lines he spends a lot of time back on coruscant sort of running the war from the back from behind the scenes and then in other places where anytime that anakin is sort of paired up with another jedi regardless of the rank and most of these other jedi are members of the the jedi council he sees himself as better than them and and you know and he tries to take over and lead things even when it's not appropriate
0: Right. There's an episode we watched recently where Anakin and another Jedi and then there are two Padawans, so Ahsoka and another Padawan, they wind up, uh, they, they need to split up. And so they send the two Padawans off and they send the two Jedi off. And you can tell that the other Jedi that Anakin's been paired with is probably a more knowledgeable and wise jedi maybe not as strong with the force as anakin and anakin views strength as being the most important factor here and that's why you know he tends to be a little bit more um impetuous and so when we see the padawans we see osoka telling the other about her master being willing to do whatever he needs to do and the fact that she's all of you know 13 or 14 years old and has already figured this out that's concerning
1: Yeah, a little bit, Um, but yeah, so yeah, his relationship with the rest of the Jedi is is a little bit strained, and just like with the, you know, sort of the Republic government, he doesn't have a lot of faith in the leadership of the Jedi Council, he just wants everybody to do, do things his way. And um, and I think that's, you know, and, and seeing that happen over and over again and seeing the Jedi Council not really take it all that seriously and address it as like a very concerning moral flaw in him is part of why we see him able to turn to the dark side fairly quickly.
0: Right, and we don't see the Jedi co- Council indulging Anakin very frequently. They, they don't give him, you know, open-door privileges to come talk to him the same way they do to Obi-Wan. Um, granted, Obi-Wan's on the Council, but still, uh, Anakin doesn't have that relationship, but that's where Palpatine, always looking for an opportunity, is like, well, I'll just give Anakin open-door privileges. Yep. So what's next?
1: So I think what we're going to do in our next few episodes is talk about some of the um, the overall plot lines and then also some of the individual stories that are told over multiple seasons. Um, there are some you know, there are some places online where you can find ways to watch different story arcs sort of in isolation. And it's really interesting to do that. And I know that uh, when I was trying to get you to want to watch the Clone Wars, I showed you a few of those story sequences that, you know, come out of the, the basic season sequence and just go to the, the isolated episodes in those stories. And they're pretty interesting.
0: Right. And I'll, I'll be fair. um, That's how you got me into this, because I tried watching, I, I think it was like, The the first episode or the pilot or something and I I was really struggling with the the clones. I I didn't understand. I, you know, like it really just kind of resonated as the type of thing that little eight or nine year old boys would care about and and me, you know, neither of those things. I, I was struggling with that. And so he kind of looped me in with some of the storylines involving Mandalore, involving uh, Maul and the Sisters, And then kind of when, you know, the Jedi maybe eventually start to wise up, but not nearly quickly enough or um, strongly enough. But that, that kind of brought me into this cartoon that I realized that this is a serious uh, storyline and a serious advancer of the plot and just really a bummer, actually.
1: Yeah, because just like we've said at the end of the last two episodes, you know, by the end of this thing, we all kind of know where it's heading, and it's not a great place. Um, I mean, this is a, a show about war. Um, it's a show about the dark side winning, um, and you know that seems to happen over and over again. There are little victories for the Jedi, and there are little victories for. Uh, the Republic but in the end um, you know this thing is is leading us to the dark path of, of getting to the Empire and it just sort of shows how that builds and builds and builds over the years so it's a little bit of a bummer but there are some really cool stories in it um, and there's some of my favorite like I said at the at the top of the episode some of my favorite stories in, in Star Wars and the way that they weave them together the intersection of the Night Sister story the Maul story the Mandalore story and the Anakin and Obi-Wan stories is just really interesting ways that they piece all these things together Um, there's also a little bit about um, upcoming order 66 which we'll we'll talk about when we get back into the movies Um, and and you know I like I being not eight-year-old and maybe once a boy um, (laughs) uh, definitely once a boy uh, did find the story of the clones and sort of their battles and the army part of it uh, really interesting Um, especially the way that a bunch of people that are exactly the same develop individual identities and then come all the way full circle to be like true comrades and I think that those stories are really interesting they probably do a few too many of them but you do need to fill up seasons Um, and there are a handful of filler episodes that are just big long land battles
0: completely agree and I think that you know even though I lack the funds or the talents to be involved in creation of a television program i think we need to reshape what we think constitutes a season it doesn't have to be 20 episodes if you've only got 13 episodes of content please only make 13 episodes
1: yeah and i think season seven is i forgot what it is it's somewhere between eight and 13 episodes because they do they want to tighten up and round out the plot it's going to be a lot more like the i think the mandalorian um than these you have to remember these aired on television pre-streaming uh when they first came out and the rules were a little bit different back then so um i'm very excited for the next season uh you got five days to be ready
0: uh i'm not sure if i'm gonna be ready but everybody think good things and hope that i can get through enough of these episodes
1: (laughs) yeah you've got it
0: all right well on that note i love you
1: i know